y'all. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 154. And you know who wants some more? Patreoners! Patreoners. Oh, look at there. I mean, great fucking minds, man. You know? Just, I, I had to steal it back from you. You've been segueing way too much. I can't help that I am the Segway genius. Great title. Well, I thought so. That's why you're not the cult leader ever. <laughs> you're right. I'm the cult buster. Mm. Also, great title. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay, we're going to move on to Patreoners. So, thank you so much, Megan N. from New Hampshire. Elena T. from Iowa. Caitlin H. from Louisiana. Megan W. from California. Kelly G. from Colorado. Tiella J. from South Carolina. Serena O. from Canada. Katie T. from Ohio. Elizabeth S. from Wisconsin. And Caroline G. from Florida. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right. I have two recommendations. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. Okay. Netflix first, and it's called Behind Her Eyes. And the second one is Amazon Prime, and it's Tell Me Your Secrets. And both of them, I can't really tell you what they're about because it's like that. It's like a it's like a mind fuck, isn't it? Yeah, both of them. The behind your eyes, y'all were talking about it in Discord, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it's like whoa. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good, and so is Tell Me Your Secrets. Tell Me Your Secrets has Lily. Mm. Lily, she played the girl who... From the blind side, and she played a maskin. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, she played in Asylum, and she played the one who loved uh, Stevie Nicks in... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It has her in it, and she's so good in it. But, and the witches one. Yeah. American Horror Story is the one. I'm, yeah. But anyway, I can't even tell you about those because I have to tell you the whole storyline. To tell you about them, really. Because, you know, I ramble, obviously. I'm sure someone could say, hey, here's a tweet about it. And it sums it up perfectly. But we all know that I can't tweet. It's like part one, part two, part three, part four. I finally finished The Crown. I think we talked about this last time. Did we talk about that last time? We talked about you watching it. And I didn't know anything about Princess Diana. And that's all. That's all I've done. (laughs) Oh, I'm, I have watched uh, The Equalizer on TV. It's got Queen Latifah, and she's fucking amazing. I love her, but I love the two Denzel Washington movies. And so, I mean, obviously it's different, but I really like it as a series. And then uh, Clarice. Oh, yeah, yeah, And uh, so I know some people are like, oh, my God, her accent, though, but... Jodie Foster had a terrible accent, I feel like, in Silence of the Lambs, you know? And it's like a West Virginian accent is different than a Southern accent that, like, when we think of Southern, we think of our accents. And so it is different. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, eh, I'm just like, I mean, she sounds like Jodie Foster did to me, so it's all good. And it's, I like it. Well, and I mean, literally every Southern accent on, unless they're actually Southern, every Southern accent is terrible on shows, you know? Yeah. It didn't take anything away from me. I mean, on some like Hallmark Christmas movies and stuff, it will take away from me. And I'm just like, nope, can't do it. But that's because the cheese factor is already at, you know, 100. Yeah. And then add that on top of it. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Nope, just cannot do it. 
but this is like intriguing and you know mm-hmm. it's criminal minds and oh yeah there's this accent that might kind of grate your nerves a little bit speaking of southern accents the story i'm doing takes place in fort worth texas so you know they probably had a southern accent texas so picture it, Fort Worth, Texas in the 2000s. Maddox Mache and her husband, they were young and struggling financially, but they had just started a family. Her hubby was a welder and a musician on the side, and Maddox worked in the pharmaceutical industry. She had just started, but she was steadily moving up. So they were happy in their jobs and stuff, but were still just struggling financially, which is sadly too often the case. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a son together named Cameron, who was three, and then Maddox got pregnant again. And so they knew it was time to move because they were outgrowing their small home as well as their rough neighborhood. So they began looking around Fort Worth. And one day when her husband arrived home from his job, he is happy to share some good news. He found them the perfect house in their price range. And Maddox fell in love at first sight. It was about a 30-minute drive from their current location, and you had to pass these green fields that she said were just so peaceful and calming. And then you arrived at this street that only had a couple of houses spread out on it, and their house was a cute three-bedroom, one-bath with soft blue siding and white shutters. And so they affectionately called it the Blue House. It even had a wraparound porch and a mudroom. So seriously, swoon-worthy. You know, like when Mm -hmm. you think of just a cute house in Texas, like got some property, got a porch. Picture and all the blue bonnets growing Mm and all the fields. Right? But inside, there was this room that just called to her. And it might have been because... At the time, Maddox was late into her pregnancy with her youngest, but it was this room that she just could picture being perfect for the nursery. It was so sunny and cheerful, and she ended up painting it in pastels, green and blue, and she decorated it with little hearts, and it just gave off the vibe that she wanted it to. So welcoming. However, she said when you went into the room, it seemed to get darker and not just like, oh, it had a dark feeling to it. Like it seemed like you lowered the lights down, but you didn't. However, Maddox was the happiest she had been in her whole life. But she says it best on her blog, The Oracle's Closet. They don't have the same feelings today. The blue house means nightmares and shattered dreams for her family. Oh, shit. So we're going to talk about what happened there. Only a week or a week and a half staying there, some strange stuff started to occur. Maddox and her hubby were watching TV at night, and they were snuggling on the couch. Maddox let her eyes follow some kind of blackish colored shadow on the wall, and it traveled up to the ceiling. And she said it was huge and almost fluid in its movement. And being that it was shadow, like you could see through it, but it did appear to have some solidity to it as well. So kind of like a liquid. And she said she watched as it traveled out of the living room, down the hall, and disappeared into the nursery. 
what in the fucking Alex Mack is going on? <laughs> right? Oh, my God. I love that show. I just imagined, like, reimagined that, and it's you, but every time you would go into a liquid form when you got scared, and it would just be, like, us all talking, someone scares you, and you're just, like, drop into a liquid <laughs> form, but, you know, the the line you always say from Finding Nemo, it's like, oh, you guys made me ink. Yes. Like, I don't even know. It just, like, all went together and be like, motherfucker, who scared her? Who did it? <laughs> We're running late, Carrie. God. Oh, could you imagine if you had that power and you're like, oh, I don't like this. And you could just like slink out. You would fucking love that. I would never be around. No, you, that would be your feigning goat. Yes. It I would really be like, would oh, be. hey, guys. Bye. I don't know what that accent was. I don't know what just happened in my voice, but you get the point. All right. Getting back to Maddox, not Alex Mack. So she's trying to wrap her brain around what she just saw. And then her hubby asks, did you just see that? And so she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, he's like, I know you know what I'm talking about. He knew her. He's like, I know you know what I'm talking about. I know you saw it. And he pressed her for more information. And so she said, okay, I did see something, but I really think it was just car lights of someone going around a curve or something. And that's how it happened. And he's like, that doesn't make sense, but they kind of argued about it a little bit, but then we're both like, okay, fine. We're just going to go to bed. Next morning, woke up, forgot about it. It was gone, forgotten, and let's, you know, have some eggs, whatevs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, runaway broad. Oh, yeah. As days went on, though, they started to hear noises around the same time at night Every night, they heard something that sounded like something or someone running. And the more they heard it, they believed they knew the culprit, their youngest son. And it sounded like he ran from his bedroom, through the kitchen, past the living room, to the bathroom. But they never heard him return to bed. So one night, they're like, okay, we have to put a stop to this. And also, we you know need to see if he's okay. But also, we need to put a stop to this. But he was asleep in his bed. And it wasn't like that, ooh, let me jump in the bed real quick and, like, pretend that I'm asleep. Like, no, little dude was out. Yeah. And then, other than sounds, lights started to taunt them. They flickered a lot, and then lights would flip on and off on their own. But, like, the switch was off, and it would flip on, and you could hear it click on. You know, like how a fan does, and you can Mm -hmm. hear the motor. It's like that. I would probably have, if okay, if these types of ghosts are real, asterisks, that's not how you say that word, but little caveat, asterisks, I would probably have one of these ghosts that would do that kind of shit to the lights and run my fucking electric bill up. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be like, oh, you had the surge of electricity and it blah, 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 and like skyrocket my bill. Like, what do you even do for the people who like quadruples their bill? I don't know. But also, just keep listening because you would have this kind of ghost. Another weird thing is that they always had an obscene amount of static electricity to the point where they would shock each other more often than not when they touched each other. Well, I have that ghost. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, mm, that is so painful sometimes when it's just like. That fucking hurts. Oh. Sometimes in the middle of the night. 
See, nobody ever believes me when I say this until they fucking see me do it. When I'm in, in the middle of the night, sometimes whenever I'm like moving through the covers, I can see the sparks. Yeah, you have shown me that. I was like, wait, what? But, well, not, you did it like out of the dryer or something. No, no, no. I'm talking like in the bed. I can be like, to the covers and like <laughs> trying to like, you know, move a yeah. pillow or whatever. And it's like, Ugh. not all the time. And usually when yeah. it's cold, but yeah. Wow. But Maddox and her hubby were so happy in this house and it was in their price range and the neighborhood was good. And again, she was about to give birth to their baby girl. And so they settled on bad wiring. Bad wiring made them uh, static electrocute themselves. <laughs> you know, mm. well, also they really couldn't explain because Maddox began blowing up light bulbs on accident. You know how some people slam doors when they're mad? Well, she would like, I don't know, put some dramatics on the light flips. She matilda it. Again, I've never seen that. So, yes, sure. One day. Never. Fucking, yes. Never. Okay, you get to pick a movie that I fucking hate, that I've never seen, that I don't want to watch, and I get to pick Matilda. Well, that's way too much of a list, and that's too much pressure. Yes, I said one. I said that's too much pressure. But Matilda. Okay. <laughs> when she's sitting in front of the TV, and he's forcing her to watch it, and they're getting sticky with Mickey, and she blows up the TV. No. Well... This girl actually flipped on the switch, but then it would blow. Oh, I thought you said she was, like, mad, and then it would, like, Yeah, she'd be mad, and so she'd be dramatic about it and be like, Gotcha. Ugh! Flip it, but instead of the light just blowing, the whole thing would explode. Oh, shit. Yes. Much like the TV and fucking Matilda. Oh, my God. See? You should watch it. You get my references. Well, then scratching on the walls came next, or should I say in the walls. First thought, of course, rats. So they put out the traps, but never caught anything. However, it seemed to welcome more in. One night in late May or June, smack dab in the middle of a peaceful night, Maddox heard something going bump in the night. She followed the sound, and it led her to the nursery, and it was one of the toys playing. She wasn't so spooked because she thought, okay, lots of infant toys go off by touch, so it's probably one of her lullaby toys, but when she reached in the crib to turn it off, she realized it wasn't that toy at all. It wasn't coming from anything that two-week-old Skylar, her baby girl, could have touched in her sleep. Maddox squinted her eyes, looked around the room, and she saw that it was the baby's swing that was playing soft music, and the chair was swinging as well. Well, still being a bit of a skeptic, Maddox reasoned it away, saying, you know, like, okay, it's probably my youngest son. He might have been playing with it, not switched it off, something bumped it, you know, like, whatever. Okay, cool, cool, cool. She went over, clicked it off, and everything stopped. Tiptoed out of the room, Closed the door, but just left about an inch open. However, before she could get back comfortable again, like 10 minutes later, she heard the music again. But this time, her hubby did too. And so she tells him about how she just had to switch it off before. So she's like, like, no, 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 I switched it off. It's not like it got bumped again or, you know, whatever. Like, I switched it off. 
And then there was a soft knock that sounded like it came from the nursery. And then a protective bark and growl from their outside dog. Well, the hubby started toward the nursery and Maddox split off to hover over her boy's room. You know, mama bear mode. For a little bit, there was silence. So Maddox barely whispered out, babe, are you okay? What's happening? Silence, no response. And then what I can only fucking think about is damn Heine's laugh is this evil laugh that just comes out of the darkness. And she said, it's not like it was a ha 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 played a prank on you laugh or like, ha ha ha, that's a funny laugh. Like, it, no, it was menacing. It was an evil laugh. And all I can picture is that fucking Heine laugh. And I am, I am ruined for life. So thank you. But- <laughs> My eyes are tearing up. <laughs> like, legit, do you see them? Yes. It's so scary. <laughs> it's so scary. <laughs> oh, God. I won't do it again tonight. <laughs> So she is hoping that it's her hubby just pranking her, but she cannot hear or see anyone. But what she can do is feel the temperature in the room drop quickly. Just then, she heard her husband cursing about something, and so she blinks out of her fear trance that she's in and tries to focus on what he's saying. And he's yelling at her for leaving the tricycle in the middle of the hallway because he stubbed his toe on it. And before she can defend herself and tell him that she hadn't left it anywhere but in the closet, there's this loud bang from the nursery that startled them both and they probably fear sharded. So they get into the nursery and the swing is rocking back and forth, but like out of control. So Maddox removed the batteries and took the baby from the crib and she placed her in their bed that night. She never stayed a night in the nursery again. There was this time where Maddox had Skylar in her high chair in the kitchen while she was cooking and watching TV in the living room. You know how like you're cooking and you go back and forth, just mm-hmm. kind of stand there watching whatever on TV? Well, Skylar was about to eat and Maddox was setting up everything for her to snack on. And from that angle, she could clearly see everything, including the master bedroom. When she fully turned her head and attention, she noticed there was a woman standing inside the doorway. Half of her body and face were in shadow, but what Maddox could tell is that she looked like she was wearing, like, period clothes. Like, a time period clothes. She said the spirit looked at her, nodded her head, and then turned and walked through the wall that separated the master bedroom from the nursery. And then as Maddox was calming herself down, like, did I just see what I thought I saw? Oh my gosh. Well, Skylar let out a blood-curdling scream. So Maddox swooped her up, tried to soothe her, but Skylar wouldn't calm down. Instead, she just repeatedly pointed at the master bedroom and cried. It ended up taking over an hour to calm her down. Oh, poor baby. They had been in the Blue House for about a year. 
you literally just read my brain. I was like, okay, so I wonder how long they had been in the house at this point. If the kids sit in a high chair and like can point, you know? Yeah. Like literally I was thinking, I wonder how long they'd been in the house. That's funny. Well, they had been in the house for about a year. And also Maddox's parents got divorced at this time and her mom moved in with them. She didn't know what had been going on, but on her first night there, Maddox's hubby was playing a gig, so he's off. So it's just them and the kids. Well, Maddox woke up to her mom getting in bed with her at three in the morning. Like, talk about role reversal. Right. Well, if I could say the words. We got it. Okay. Her mom explained that she woke up because there were kids crying in her room. And Maddox went to, you know, jump up in mama mode. And her mom was like, no, not your kids, just kids. I can't see them, only hear them. Fuck no. Yeah. Yeah. Crying kids are bad enough. At least you could fucking sue them. But kids that aren't fucking there, no thank you. I know. At first I thought you said sue them. And then I was like, oh, soothe. (laughs) No, ma'am. You can't. They don't. They're not. They don't have any money. (laughs) The next thing that started happening was the haunting started fucking with everyone's sleep. Her son and her both began to sleepwalk. And it's funny to watch, you know, the TikTok videos of Selena Spooky Boo. Yes, love them. Love, 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 love. But if you think about it, just imagine how scary it would be for over a year you've been tormented. And now you're waking up in strange places inside and outside of your house. Sometimes Maddox would wake up in her neighbor's yard, under her own dinner table, or her coffee table, one time in the closet of the nursery, one time outside under the trampoline, one time on top of it, one time in the bathtub, and just in random positions and places on the floor. And two, if it's fucking cold outside, it's not safe. Yeah. I mean, how long was she out there, you know? Right. Well... There was this one night that seemed to be normal. Her hubby was away playing a gig. She tucked her kids into bed. All was good. But then 20 minutes later, she heard Skylar screaming, you know, mama, mama, mama. Skylar went on to explain scary people were there and they wouldn't let her sleep. She said they looked sick and she, you know, just wouldn't, she couldn't sleep. Skylar? Yeah. Damn, they've been there a long time if she's explaining all that. Well, I'm sure she didn't have the fucking, she wasn't like, um, pardon me, do you have any great coupon? Also, there's some ghost in this fucking- There's some ghosts in this house. They won't let me fucking sleep. Right. Good God. Carrie is always up on these kids. <laughs> Look, I'm always just trying to debunk it. And so uh-huh. if the mom is like, and then Skylar told me that the ghosts, they were very bad men and that they were in there and they were keeping her awake. And Skylar's like, men, bad. You wouldn't be like, oh, that's fucking scary if all this other shit hadn't happened. This- I mean, I would, but like. Okay. And then you know what you would tell me if your niece said that? You'd be like, oh my God, Allie was saying there were some scary bad men up in her room. Yeah, but then she's, but then I'd be like, but you know what? She just said bad men. I'm telling you, you'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, but she did. I mean, is she, like, embellishing or is she just, like, like legit what she said? I don't know. Maddox, if you listening, girl, call us and bitch carry out. Yeah. Deep, doop, boop, boop, boop. Hit us up. Please. I'm not saying you're lying. She's saying you're lying. I'm just asking how old your daughter is at this point. She's saying you're lying. I am not. Yes, you are. Kind of. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. She's saying it. 
Also, sorry that I got shrill on y'all, but she always trying to debunk my shit. I am trying to debunk it, but, but, I'm not saying Maddox is lying. Things could be debunked without the people lying. You're saying, okay, so embellishing is lying. There's intentional embellishing and there's unintentional embellishing. Okay, listen here, Psych 101. It's lying. Tigers and bears. (laughs) Y'all, somebody come get her. Somebody come get her. (laughs) Somebody really come get her because that's going to be stuck in my head for 14 fucking days. Y'all just wait till she gives me her story because I'm going to be questioning everything. You already do. Fair point. Maddox soothed Skylar and she prayed over her and the room. She finally got her back asleep and then drifted off herself. But the thing that is definitely not normal about this night is that she woke up driving. What? Yeah. It was definitely a sleepwalking time that could have turned deadly. Were the babies with her? No. (gasps) Were they by themselves at home or was her mom there? Or her hubby. Her hubby was gone. Remember? Oh, yeah, you said that, yeah. Yeah. I think her mom was there. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Luckily, she was stopped by a police officer because she didn't have her headlights on. <gasps> and, like, she was running up on a curve. And so she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she was like, he's not going to believe me if I'm telling him, like, I was sleepwalking. Like, I, officer, I just woke up, you know. And so she was like, I was just going to get my baby's medicine. And he was like you need to do me a favor. Like you need to turn around and go home. I'm going to follow you and make sure you get home. Okay. You know, blah, 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 blah. And so she did. And she was like, Oh my God, the kids, like what happened to the kids, you know? And she went in and they were all asleep fine, you know? And she was like, that could have been so bad in all the ways. She's so lucky that she didn't get in bad. Well, aside from like the obvious, she could have died and, Someone else could have died or been severely hurt. But she's also lucky she didn't get in serious trouble. Yeah. Well, Maddox couldn't explain all of this away anymore. And she refused to be run out of her home, though. This was supposed to be the home they raised their family in. And Maddox and her husband, they both had difficult childhoods. And, you know, they both really fought for everything they had. And so she was so proud of this house and where they were that she was really holding on to that. And it was kind of a pride thing at this point with her. And she says now, like, she wishes she would have just left early on and not had been like this. But she thought that was the right thing to do. You know, like, she thought she was fighting for her family. But then she was like, "Mm -hmm. was I fighting against them this whole time? Yeah. But there would be one normal summer evening, something would happen that would shape their future forever. The kids had long been in bed. Maddox and her hubby finally went to bed around midnight that night. And Maddox woke up in the middle of the night, not from a nightmare, but to one instead. She saw her hubby just standing at the foot of the bed with his back to her. And she asked if he was okay, but he remained silent and just eerily still. Maddox remembers feeling like she was moving through jello. Everything was in slow motion. She thought, you know, she might be dreaming. So she looked over to his side of the bed to see, okay, like 
his body's actually going to be there like this, you know, whatever. Cause she had always had these weird dreams in this house and you know, whatever her, her sleep had been fucked up for a while. Well, when she looked back to where he had been standing, he was no longer standing there. She said there was no exit, but past her on his side of the bed, you know? So what the fuck happened? And then Maddox heard and felt chaos all around her. The comforter began to be pulled down off of her slowly, while the beeping of the window air conditioning unit was being switched to different settings over and over. And it was so it was going off again and again and again. And it would beep with each switch and the fan would change so everything could be heard. Also, their window blinds, they were flipping back and forth and it was all like happening in unison. And it was like the, when you like can flip them like going up, going down, Mm -hmm. going up, going down. Maddox couldn't breathe. She said that she felt like all the air was sucked out from around her. And so she is grabbing at her chest for air. But then finally, her husband came in through the door and he was like, oh, I've been throwing up like, oh, my gosh. When he came through the door, all the activity just ceased. And she was like looking at him and she said he was super pale and super sweaty. And he was like, I don't even know what came over me, but like had just been like violently throwing up. So that night was exhausting, but nothing compared to what was in store for them the next night. Maddox woke up that night with an unbearable headache. She said the pain was so severe, she woke her husband up crying and asked him to go get her migraine meds. So he just kind of, you know, when you're half asleep, he rolled out of bed, took three steps, and then just dropped suddenly to the ground. Well, Maddox couldn't process what was happening, so she got up to see what he was doing, and she said her body felt like it weighed an actual ton. Every hair follicle weighed more than her body normally did. You know, she was in a numb but heavy trance, is what it felt like. Well, she finally got to her hubby and realized, okay, he's laying on the ground, and it doesn't look good, but he comes to, and she's closer And he's like, get the kids out of the house. Something is wrong. So in a daze, she slowly makes her way out of their room, heading to the kids' room. But she sees the five-year-old son only in his pull-up, face down on the kitchen floor. I was going to say, is it carbon monoxide? Mm. Well, she can hear her husband crawling basically on the floor behind her, trying to make it to the kids. They both end up passing out on the kitchen floor with the son, but Maddox comes to and wakes up her hubby. She tells him, look, I'm going to go get the girl. You need to save yourself and our son. Like, get outside. Everything is taking so long. Everything weighs so much. Everything is wrong. And Maddox makes it to Skylar's room. And she goes to pick her up, but she sees Skylar in her little three-year-old tiny body And it's gray. (gasps) Her lips were blue. (sighs) She wasn't breathing and her eyes were 
barely open. No. And Maddox knew Skylar was going to die, if not dead already. So she drug her to the front door, laid her on the porch, and she knew, okay, I have to call to get help. So she had to go back into the house to get a cell phone. On her way to do that, she passed out two more times. Oh, God. Well, she knew, okay, I got to make it back to the front door so I can get some oxygen, so I can be able to make this fucking call. So she gets there, and when she gets there, Skylar's eyes are completely open, and the color is returning to her face. Oh, thank God. Yes. They were all rushed to the hospital, and just like you said, the fire chief said that it was carbon monoxide, because they looked everywhere, and like they couldn't find anything, you know, and, but they checked the levels. They said that 30 per square foot of carbon monoxide is lethal, but their house had 500 per square foot. What? And they said that it had risen to that level in 30 minutes. And so it's like literally impossible. And he was like, there was nothing malfunctioning. Like they checked everything. Cause the only thing that was gas was their water heater. And it's like, there's no way. He said, the only way you like would have to be barbecuing in your living room. What? Yeah. So everyone did survive that. Thank God. But unfortunately, the family was never the same after that. They finally realized that they had to move out of the blue house. Maddox went into mama bear mode and... Also lived in fear of what might happen next. It's not a way to live, and it brought on a lot of problems. She didn't sleep. She, you know, tried to stay on alert and protect her babies as much as possible. And her and her husband ended up getting a divorce. Oh, gosh. They just found themselves like doom and gloom, always arguing. They seem to be strangers now. And they didn't want their kids growing up in even more chaos than what they had experienced already. And some other sad news is that Maddox had another son from a previous relationship. And he was 17 years old and he died by suicide. And it was after this. It, I don't believe he like wasn't in the house or anything. It just was after, but Maddox wrote on her website about how her world shattered and she ended up losing custody of her kids and they (sighs) live with their dad full time. And she turned to self-medication with drugs and alcohol. Oh, poor Maddox. And she said that she didn't want to be a part of the world, but if she had to, she wanted to be as numb as possible. And so she became a recluse. And it was just her and her mama. And then her mom was diagnosed with a lung cancer. Oh, no. And while, you know, going through this, she wasn't in great health. And so Maddox was then losing another person. She felt like the only person that she had in her corner. But she is doing better these days. I couldn't find a whole lot on her right now. But she does do, like, art And it looks like instead of self-medicating through unhealthy ways, she is, you know, producing music. She's creating art and other things like that, writing. So, you know, she is still on a journey. 
Gosh, that's so sad. Yeah. She's been through so much. Wow. And I mean, again, I didn't even touch on all of her childhood and stuff because yeah, it's personal it's not, and, yeah, and it's, it's not, not this pertinent. story. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like had a hard life and she just tried to do the best she could. Right. It sucks that. So what was it? I mean, did somebody move into that house after them? Was it like a. They don't know. Like, I don't know if she's like went back to that house. I do know that they moved into another house and her daughter saw someone else and like they were like arguing at one point, you know, her, like the daughter and like an imaginary friend basically. But that was about it. You know, it wasn't any like hardcore, like, yeah. Oh, you going to die kind of thing. Right. But I'm not sure. Oh, you know what? (laughs) Hmm. Did I just pull a carry? Because this is how, so I had this saved I found her website that the Oracle's Closet by doing some kind of research a long time ago. And I had it saved to like touch on Well, I was looking for a paranormal I survived to do. And I found this show called My Horror Story on Discovery Plus. And so I was like, let me look at that. And her story's in here. And she did say that she researched the house and there is a lady and her son who lived there. The son died, and I can't remember how he died, but I don't know. But then the mom, it looked like it might have been murder. In the house, or do you know? In the house. Mm. And so that might have been it being the nursery and stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, because it's like being a one bathroom house. It's not like there's one like a master bedroom, so you don't know like what would have been her bedroom. Right. Damn, that story's sad as fuck. It really is. Well, whatever it was, didn't fucking want them in that house. No. No. And but I thought the story needed to be told too because so many times I'm guilty of it too. It's like, oh, they got out of the house and lived happily ever after. Bye. You know, and this one, they didn't. They went through a lot together. And you see that a lot with trauma, whether it's something like this or it's the death of a child Mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that. I mean, it's hard for people to stay together after a trauma like that because you're constantly reminded of it or, you know, one person processes things differently than the other. Yeah. So forth and so on. And it's hard to stay together. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes love doesn't conquer all. Yeah. But you know what? Self-love does. And she's she's there, you yep. know? Yep. She's healing in the right ways. Right. So is your story going to make us more sad or more mad? Both. Oh, great. And it does deal with a family. Shit. Picture it. July 22nd, 2015. We're heading to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. It's about 1130 at night at the Bever family house. 13-year-old Rose walked into her brother's room, and she hears her brothers, Michael and Robert, talking. Michael says, should we do it right now? And Robert's like, yeah. And when Rose walks up, Robert became startled, and the best laid plans 
ensued into chaos. Robert slit Rose's throat. Oh, gosh. Robert is 18 and Michael is 16. Fuck. How old was Rose? 13. Robert expected that Rose would die very quickly and that they would be able to just drag her body to the closet. But she didn't. She fucking fault. Good for her. As soon as they slit her throat, she ran screaming from the bedroom. She started heading out towards the front door. She was running, screaming for her life. Michael chased her as she ran outside screaming and dragged her back inside before they continued to stab her. At that time, Rose's mom could hear the commotion happening because the Bevers was a family of nine. There were the parents, David and April, and then the kids. Robert, like I said, who was 18, Michael, 16, Rose, who was 13, Daniel, who is 12, Christopher, who is 7, Victoria, who is 5, and a baby girl, who is 2. So the house is full of people. And when Rose is running for her life, screaming, their mother, April, hears the commotion, and she comes out to see what's going on. As she comes out, Robert stabs his mother. She, of course, starts fighting back immediately, and she ends up being stabbed 48 times in her arms, neck, face, chest, and abdomen. Oh my gosh. In the face? Yes. At some point, their father, David, comes out of his bedroom with all the commotion as well, and Robert stabs him 28 times to his back, chest, neck, and abdomen. Here in all of this commotion, the 12-year-old, Daniel, has locked himself inside the family's home office. He finds a cell phone, and he actually calls police. Well, he's trying to be so quiet because he doesn't want them to hear him calling for help that the 911 operator has such a hard time hearing him. And if you want to hear the 911 call, we're we're not going to play it. But if you want to hear it, it's easily accessible online. It's fucking heartbreaking. But the 911 operator asks him where he is. He says he gives his address and They basically say what's going on, and he says that his brother is attacking his family. And the operator thinks that he says that his father is because he has a little bit of a speech impediment. In fact, so does Michael. He has a difficulty with R's. So how he says brother, it sounds a little bit like father. The 911 operator, it's kind of, you can kind of tell that she's starting to understand what he says. And then you can hear some commotion in the background, but then someone else who clearly sounds older picks up the phone and says, hello. And the 911 operator says, what's going on? And then basically the line goes dead. From what I've gathered, that was Michael on the phone who had picked the phone up because he had gotten into the room by pretending that he was running from Robert. And then picked the phone up, found out, in fact, he had called 911. And then when Robert came into the room, he said 
He's all yours. Robert stabs 12-year-old Daniel 21 times in his stomach, chest, head, neck, and back. What the actual fuck? Michael took the phone from Daniel whenever he was checking to see if he had called 911 and smashed the phone. So there was no hope of anyone using that phone to call 911 again. Then Michael used the same ruse that he used on Daniel to get to Christopher and Victoria. Seven-year-old Christopher and five-year-old Victoria were hiding in the bathroom, terrified, hiding behind the door when Michael knocked on the door and said, please let me in. He's coming after me. They let him in thinking that they're saving their brother. And when they let him in, he and Robert stabbed them to death. They stabbed seven-year-old Christopher 21 times and five-year-old Victoria 23 times. That is heart-wrenching. So this is an area that I I did see some kind of different information on. One thing said that Michael had actually disabled the home alarm before everything went down. But another thing said that it wasn't disabled And so they knew that Rose was trying to get out of the house again. I don't know why they would disable it, but then also that's what sucks about all this newfangled shit when it's like kitchen door open. Yeah. You know, it alerts all the stuff. It's great when it's alerting you. To an intruder. Mm -hmm. But when it's coming from inside the house. Yes. So Rose is, again, fighting for her life, clawing her way, trying to get out of the house, trying to survive, trying to go for help in any way that she can. And the brothers are making their way back down to her because they realize that she's going back out again. Yeah. When they hear sirens. Go, Rose, go! So they go back into the house. And then, I'm a little fuzzy on these details, but they've pulled her back in the house. No. Oh, my God. It's like that moment where they're, like, reaching out, and they're, like, outside, and then the hands pull them back in. But they hear the knock on the door, and they know it's police at the house. So they leave Rose and take off running. Within 10 minutes, police are on scene, knocking on the door, and when they get there, they see blood all over the front step. And they hear a faint cry for help on the inside and they don't know because you know broken arrow is not a small town but it averages like one murder a year so the police this is not new york they don't have that level of training to be like okay well we're going to bust in this door and we know exactly what to do in all these situations they do but it's still not that level you know and they did let me just say they did a fucking amazing job with this case it's just not second nature to them right So they don't know, okay, are we walking into an ambush or is that actually someone that needs our help? But who the fuck cares? Because it's probably someone that needs our help and this is our job. So knocking down the door, here we fucking come. When they break open the door, they see Rose laying there and she is minutes away from death. I mean, to the point where her bowels are literally hanging out of her stomach. She has been stabbed so many times times she is a fucking fighter her throat has been slit police go directly to her they're trying to save her 
So police are trying to ask her and figure out what the fuck is going on here because all they know is that the 911 call, they think maybe it was the father doing this. And so they're asking her, did your, you know, your father did this to you? And she says, no, my brother. And she tells them, Robert did this to her. So they get her and take her in an ambulance. Police continue to make their way through the house when they come to April. April is still alive. She has 48 stab wounds. But minutes after police get there, she succumbs to her wounds. The next thing is they make their way and they find David, the father. There's blood everywhere. He's passed away. Then they find Daniel. And then police find the most horrific part of this whole ordeal. When they open that bathroom door that's locked, they fully expect the suspect to be who's at this point just Robert because that's all they know. They expect behind a locked door to be Robert. So they're prepared for a fight and they break the door down and there's Christopher and Victoria's body. And at that point, these seasoned detectives and officers needed a minute. It was that heartbreaking for them that the house isn't even fully cleared and they needed a minute. They gather themselves and make their way to the next room, which may be one of the only bright sides to this story. The two-year-old little girl was sleeping soundly in her bed, untouched. A small miracle. Which is why we haven't said her name. Good. Okay. Once they get Rose in the ambulance and they start stabilizing her, she's able to tell them a little bit more. And she tells them it's not just Robert, it's Michael as well who's committing these crimes. So police now know that they're not looking for Michael's body in the house. They're looking for Michael with Robert. As they're looking through the house, they realize the back door's open and behind the house is a wooded area. By this time, they have a canine unit on the way. And once they release the canine officer, because the dog's considered an officer, once they release the canine officer, it is minutes before he is signaling that he has found Robert and Michael. What? They're laying down in the woods, in the dirt, hiding. Robert gives himself up immediately. Michael refuses. So the dog attacks. Yeah. Attacks his, he grabs his shoulder, pulls him out, and then he finally surrenders. When they get the boys in custody, and yes, they're fucking boys. They're 18 and 16. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's so their age mm-hmm. to show that they're, oh, we're going to hide in the woods right behind our house. Right. When they get the boys in custody, they realize Robert has on fucking Kevlar armor, like a suit, like Kevlar chest suit and all of this and they found some kevlar covered in blood in the woods michael had taken his off as he was running the boys are covered in dirt and blood and fucking robert has because the police had the wherewithal to take pictures immediately so they're standing there in handcuffs and there are these like 
I hate to use the word iconic, but kind of iconic pictures of them standing outside of the police cars. I mean, immediately after capture. And Robert has this shit-eating fucking smirk on his face that I just want to punch. I don't condone violence, but I want to punch it off of his fucking cunty face. Police immediately take Robert to the police station for interviews, but they have to take Michael to the fucking hospital because he got bit by the dog. Yeah, I had to say it like that because bless his little fucking heart. He wouldn't give himself up, so he got bit by the dog. (laughs) Ugh. It was like barely a fucking scrape. Once Michael got back from the hospital, police interviewed him. While all this is going on, Rose is at the hospital undergoing emergency surgery. And she fucking survives. Holy shit. So her name is not Rose. Oh my gosh. But I'm not telling you her real name. Yeah. Because she was 13. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Fucking fighter above all fighters. Wow. I do want to say for the little two-year-old that survived, she was actually days away from turning two. And in fact, her birthday cake was in the refrigerator. No. Yeah. When police interviewed Michael, he spilled the fucking beans. I don't know what happened when they interviewed Robert because that is sealed. I don't know. But I think that it's a little bit funny that (laughs) actually I think it's a lot of bit funny that his fucking interviews are sealed because Michael's you can listen to the whole fucking thing and Robert's we don't have a fucking clue what he said and the reason why I think that is so funny is because these two had started plotting they had gotten access to the internet at home finally they lived in a very strict household and they had finally gotten to where they had computers and they started being able to have access to the internet and all these things that they had never had access to before. They were homeschooled, so they lived very sheltered lives. Robert had become obsessed with like the, that movie Rampage, basically meaning that the world is shit and we need to kill all these people to basically kind of start over kind of thing. He was obsessed with the shooter from Aurora. And he was obsessed with the shooters from Columbine. And he thought that they were amazing and that he wanted to emulate them and fucking be them. And he and Michael together had decided that they wanted to go on a rampage themselves. And that they wanted a body count larger than any of those people ever had. Now, there was a little bit of like a, well, oh, by the by, we had a shitty household. We had a shitty upbringing. And Rose kind of said that too. And so I feel like maybe that was kind of the start of their hate for everyone and everything. But I mean, people have shitty lives all the time and they don't go into fucking be fucking want to be fucking spree killers. Yes, that deserves seven fuckings in a row. <laughs> yes. And if you had a terrible upbringing, you don't have to kill your siblings, your younger siblings too. You're I'm, completely fucking innocent. Yes, and I'm not saying, oh, kill your parents, but I'm just saying um your younger siblings had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So what we do know is like I said, they were homeschooled. The father was the breadwinner worked outside the home, and the mother homeschooled all the kids. At this point, 
Robert and Michael had both graduated from high school. However, Michael, he's lacking some like basics. He's graduated, but he and remember how I said Daniel in the phone call to 911 had a speech impediment. Now, please know, I, I am not saying that speech impediment is related to intelligence by any fucking means. But I'm saying that someone that has access to basic early intervention and basic speech therapy, basic, that's provided by a school system, the speech impediments that they had would have been fixed probably by like the third grade. Some of us have lingering issues, Carrie. Not in this way. They aren't having trouble saying rural. Everybody has trouble saying rural. They truly, in some of the words... Daniel more so than Michael. You kind of you kind of have to listen to it a little more with Michael than Daniel if you go back and listen to his interview. So again, I'm not saying that because he has a speech impediment, he has some sort of intellectual disability or intellectual, any type of educational lacking. I'm not saying that there is any tie between his speech impediment and his intelligence. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, I'm a little questioning her homeschooling because later on he draws like a kind of like a comic of him and Robert and it truly looks like a seven-year-old drew it. And again, I don't mean this in the like ableist like, oh, he's no, I mean this in a true like coming from a fucking therapist. There is shit that was not addressed that he needed help with. Because she wasn't doing the shit that she needed to be doing with his homeschooling. Whether it be some sort of dyslexia, whether it be some sort of any type of disability. I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. I've never had a conversation with the guy. I can't fucking tell you what it was. But I can tell you that he truly has the handwriting of like a seven-year-old. And the spelling capabilities of about a seven-year-old. So all that to say, what the fuck had they been doing all day every day inside that house when they were doing alleged homeschooling. I don't fucking know, but it, it wasn't homeschooling. Yeah. And then that he's 16 and already graduated. Well, I think that, I don't think that that's that uncommon. Oh, I think that you can do that homeschooling. I don't know anything about homeschool. And I think, and this is not an, this is not an attack or a, um, to throw shade at homeschooling. I, there are people who do it very successfully and there are supposed to be things in place to keep shit like this from happening, you know, because the standards are supposed to be the same for kids who go to a public and a private school as well as a homeschool. Yeah. The standards are supposed to be the same. So again, I don't mean this in an like uppity ableist asshole way. I mean this in a what the fuck was going on in that house way. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. I always do that. Me too. But what I think about it is this isn't normal homeschooling. It's like the Duggars homeschooling. If they really were that strict and they had Mm -hmm. rules and they were that extreme and, you know, they weren't like the basics weren't that important. Yeah. It was something else that was important. Maybe. And, you know, and so... That's probably what happened. Yeah. Well, allegedly, 
there was some abuse from the father, and the mother didn't do anything about it, allegedly. I don't know. There was really... Rose kind of alluded to it, but I don't think she really actually said. And then they kind of said, but then also didn't really say. You know, Robert kind of said that Michael got beat some, but that's really it. There weren't a lot of specifics, but Robert and Michael really seemed to hate their parents and really seemed to hate their lives. They were reclusive. It was known in the neighborhood that if the kids were outside playing and you walked up to the fence, they walked away. You know, it was not a secret that they kept to themselves and that they didn't play with the neighborhood kids or, or anything like that. Some of the neighbors were like, I didn't even know how many kids they had. I didn't even know their names. I didn't, even, which, I mean, I don't know how many kids my neighbors have and I don't fucking know their <laughs> names and I am just fucking fine with that. So, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Either way, when the boys got internet, because of how strict the household was, they didn't always have internet. They weren't able to watch everything on TV. They weren't able to have access to all this kind of mainstream stuff that everyone else did because they were kept separate from, I don't know, the outside world, I guess you could say. They were kind of their own family unit, their own entity. Well, and when they get the internet, that's when Robert started seeing all these other things and idolizing the guys from Columbine and Aurora and all this other fucking bullshit. Well, you're going to fucking die. I'm sorry. There's a lot of F-bombs in this one because I, I fucking hate them. So Robert got a job so that he could start buying weapons for their plan, their plan of mass destruction. So their idea was that they were going to kill the family and then go on a rampage. They were going to make a video that was really, really gruesome so that they could send the police to say, look what we did to our family. They said they were going to like dismember the bodies and put them in the fucking attic and then go on a rampage. And then they were going to also make another video that was a little more censored so that they could post it on YouTube to tell the world what they did. And then they were going to go on this rampage where they would stop at random gas stations and restaurants and grocery stores and just randomly kill people. Some stuff said 50 people. Some stuff said 100 people was their goal. But in Michael's original confession to police, he said 50. So you got to have weapons to do this. So Robert got a job so that he could start stockpiling weapons. You know what his job was? What? He worked at um, a prayer call center where you called in and he prayed with you. Oh, gosh. Well, there's that. It was called like Micah Tech or something like that. And so you got to like call in like the book of Micah, I think. That's how it was spelled. Yeah. So you called in and paid and they would pray with you for whatever you needed prayer for. What kind of OnlyFans is that? What kind of fucking Joel Osteen, Tammy Faye Baker laying hands right? on you bullshit is that? What kind of Joel Osteen, Tammy Faye Baker laying hands on you kind of bullshit is that? Oh, it's so good. So the juxtaposition of, yeah. is that the right word I want to use yeah. for that? Of him working at a prayer call center so that he had money to stockpile weapons mm -hmm. was like mind-boggling. Yeah. So he starts buying guns that he has delivered to this local gun shop. But he hadn't, he at the time of the murders, he hadn't even picked them up yet. What? Yeah. So... Honestly, the beginning of these, the, 
this is this is what would if you and I made this fucking plan. This is some shit that would fucking happen to us. So, oh Jesus Christ! So they order bullets for the guns that they bought, like online and at this gun place, and then they like buy the guns online and have them shipped there. But they also bought bullets online, but they needed them to be shipped somewhere, so they shipped them to the house. But they're like, oh. Well, mom and dad can't know that we bought all these bullets. So I guess that's when we'll start. We'll start. We'll just watch the tracking. And then the day before the bullets get to mom and dad's, we'll just kill them. Damn. So that's that's not what we do. But that that was how they yeah. decided, like, the day that it was going to happen. So the bullets were supposed to al- arrive, like, fucking Amazon Prime the next day. <laughs> not really Amazon Prime, but you get the point. Yeah. So that's how they decided. God, I geniuses, wish fucking genius. I know, but I wish it would be like, oops, rerouted to yes. a different thing. You know, I'm mean, like, well, stuck in Dallas for blah yes. blah blah. Oh god, <laughs> this is the shit that would happen to us, though. They intended on obviously the murders being quiet. It was late at night, so they could kind of murder them all, do everything quiet, do what they had to do, and then go on their merry way, right? Well, they had bought a crossbow, and the first time they shot it to test it out, the motherfucker broke. Oh, my God. Is that not some shit that would happen to us? It would happen to us, but it would be you who broke it. Well, it was Michael, so (laughs) I am Michael. Michael is me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So the reason why I think, I don't think I ever actually finished the sentence, but the reason why I think it's so fucking funny that Robert's confession or whatever the fuck he said to police is sealed is because when they were coming up with their plan, Robert said that he just wanted to be famous. He just wanted a Wikipedia page and he just wanted to be so famous. Mm -hmm. And it's so fucking funny that his shit is sealed And Michael's is the one that everybody has access to. Yeah. And nobody fucking knows what he has said. That is funny. And it just fucking, it's just like a fuck you to Robert, Mm -hmm. you know? Because Michael played his part. Fucking played his part. He disabled the alarm. He pulled... Rose back in. He, he was. A, he was. The, it was his ruse to get the yeah that, get into the room. That's really dastardly. Like that's another level of that's tricking them to let you know what I mean. Absolutely, like, that's well, a different level. And when he was first interviewed by police, he was like, made it sound like he didn't really hurt anybody. Uh, I mean, like stabby stab. But then police kind of came back and was like, okay, well, you know, so. Robert's talking, and your story doesn't match his. And you, you know, we know when people are lying, right? Like we do this for a living. Like we know how to read people, and we know you're not telling us the whole story. So we know you actually hurt somebody. So like, tell us. You know, you you did more than just like stab one person one time. Like, who? What'd you do? But honestly, there's not really a clear answer on specifically who killed whom. With Rose surviving, though, the district attorney decided not to go for the death penalty against Robert because he was 18 and obviously an adult. And so the district attorney was like, look, I mean, if we make this a death penalty case, she is 13 fucking years old. Mm 
She's going to have to go through this every single fucking appeal. She's going to have to testify. This is going to be the rest of her fucking life. If we can get him to just fucking plead out, if we can take the death penalty off the table and we can get him to plead out, this is over for her. And that's what Robert did. Robert pled guilty and was sentenced to six counts of first degree murder and was given six life sentences without the possibility of parole. So he is never getting out of prison. He's a fucking lifer. Michael, on the other hand, didn't take a plea. At first, they tried to get him charged as a minor because he was 16. But the fucking district attorney was like, absolutely not. Right. Like, nah, brah. Like, yeah, he's like, he's 16. But most of the time, 15 and older, usually 14, really. But 15 and older, you're charged as an adult with fucking first degree murder. Like, there is plenty of evidence showing Mm -hmm planning and intent and all of this and you knew what you were doing you took the phone away you you know when they were calling for help you had your chance to get help you had you you had all these opportunities and you didn't you know fuck you no we're going you're we're trying you as an adult him saying like he's yours when he did mm -mm. no daniel deserved better than that so no you're charged as an adult yes So that like went all the way up to the Supreme Court of them trying to decide whether or not to try him as an adult or not, which they did. And he fucking went to trial. So Rose ended up having to testify. At this point, it's three years after the murders. It's 2018. So she's 16 now. The age he was when he killed her whole family. They allowed her to testify from another room and basically streamed it yeah, so that she didn't have to sit right in front of him. Thank God, because she's a fucking minor. And yes. could you imagine the trauma? Can you fucking imagine the trauma? No, because it's like, that was a brutal fucking attack multiple times. By her brothers for nothing. Some people talked about her demeanor on the stand. She's very kind of stoic. Like, she's emotional, but not super super emotional and but you also have to think about how they were raised because they because some people were saying she it was almost like she was socially awkward on stage and i'm like on stage uh, on the stand but it's like uh yeah fuck how do you first of all she's gone through one of the biggest fucking traumas you can go through in your life right. i mean first of all she survived a brutal attack period second of all both of her parents have died now Third of all, C, whatever letter number I'm on, her parents were murdered uh, for by a sibling who, five, attacked her. Like, can the list go on? Oh, and her siblings are dead by her siblings? I mean, like, can the list go on? Like, the trauma, the fucking trauma alone, not to mention the fact that the first 13 years of her life was basically spent in fucking isolation with just these this family that is just as socially awkward as she is. Yeah. So, yeah. And the situation itself is fucking awkward. Yeah. So, what? I mean, what do you fucking want her to be? Mary Poppins? Right. Exactly. Don't come at her for that kind of bullshit. Right. So, anyway. She fucking testified against her brother. Robert ended up testifying on Michael's behalf. He basically took the blame of killing everybody. His testimony was different than what he had originally told police. All of Michael's stuff was different than what he had originally told police. 
because Michael's like, oh, I didn't do anything to anybody. It was all Robert. Robert manipulated me. And Robert's like, I killed everybody. Of course, he wants to say that because that gives him fucking street cred in prison to be like, mm-hmm. I killed them all. Mm-hmm. Michael didn't do shit. Of course, he wants to do that. Plus, it helps his little brother out. Right. Y'all aren't fooling anybody. The jury deliberates for five hours. And when they come out of deliberation to read the verdict, some of them are literally weeping. Gosh. They had been through so much, had to see so many pictures and testimony from Rose, the police officers, the, I mean, everything that they were so heartbroken by this case that they were just bawling, crying at the end of this trial. And they were broken from it. He was found guilty of all counts of first degree murder, but he was actually given the chance of parole. But all, I can't remember if he was found guilty of five or six counts like Robert, but anyway, his have to be served consecutively. So like 85% of them have has to be served before he's eligible for parole. So that's like 250 years before he's even eligible for, for parole. So he'll never get out. Yeah. So the brothers are serving their life sentences out at separate facilities. I which, was about to say, if they are together. Thank God they they put them at separate. Like, yeah. Because being together is exactly what they fucking want. Mm-hmm. They are getting in trouble and attacking guards and just being shitty shits that we know that they are. They're being that in prison. Air quotes Rose and the baby were placed in the same foster home and were adopted together by those foster parents. Oh, good. So they both started school and are doing well by all accounts. That's amazing. Gosh. Wow. Well, this was a sad fucking episode. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that your story was going to be so fucking sad. Well, I didn't know yours was. Well, mine's always sad. Well, not this sad. Oh, God, we need some, like, I don't know, fucking. We need an Ambien story after Donna, that. Donna, I swear to God, I was about to say, we need, like, one of our fucking Ambien stories after this one. Right? Just so happen to have one. No, I really don't. Wow. Well, I'm really glad that both of ours had a light at the end of the tunnel for the survivors. Yes. I just think about when Rose came out of surgery the very first thing that she did when she could was reach for a pen and paper and ask about her parents and her siblings because she couldn't talk. Oh, gosh. And every single day she has to look at her scars and her, you know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I hope that she's because in my brain, I can't because I mean, obviously, I don't have any of that psychology background to even understand how you move on from something like that. Like I can't comprehend how you move on from something like that, that you literally, I know I am repeats a lot today because I'm that like passionate about this case because it fucking makes me so mad that I just have to repeat myself 85 times, but, and I need to take breaths every couple of minutes, but 
I mean, when it's something like that, that you literally have a visible reminder of every single fucking day, you have scars on your hands, on your arms, on your fucking neck. Every time you look at yourself in the mirror or look down, you have a reminder of what fucking happened. Hell, her bowels were were hanging out. So, you know, she might have issues with internal workings. Yes. You know, how do you move on? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't fucking know. And that's why there are professionals out there to help us. So I hope that she and Maddox are getting help from those professionals. And I think that maybe the, the baby, the two-year-old is too young to remember anything, but I'm sure that she's going to need help too, though, just coping and there's going to be anger and of not knowing her parents and all of that. So even though she may not remember this specific traumatic event, there's going to be trauma associated with the event. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's important to just fucking man, get help. Yeah, definitely. Cause sometimes you can't see, this is going to sound so cliche, but sometimes you legit can't see the forest for the trees. And sometimes you need somebody to just fucking be like, no, that's not right. Look at it from this view. Yeah. And you go, oh, goddamn, you're right. Can you fucking tell us a joke or something? I got nothing. Well, I will say the one thing that I really wanted you to say at some point in your story, but I knew you would never say it because it's too cheesy. Vanessa Carlton? No. I, you know that. I've already told you that multiple times. Because she kept saying, making my way, making their way, making their way. I'm like, oh, my God. But no. Leave it to Bever. Oh, my God. I'm just definitely not going to fucking say that. I wonder if there's energy in that house. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Wow. That's not that's not scripted, y'all. She fucking scared me with that. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. Okay, so after obviously the murders. The house sat vacant for a long time and people were coming and it became like a spectacle. You know, there were strangers coming through this neighborhood to look at this house. And they, I mean, the neighbors hated it because it's dangerous for them. It's dangerous. It's, it's just, it's not safe. Well, a few years ago, the house actually just randomly, I'm going to use air quotes because somebody did it caught on fire and fucking burned down. So the city bought it and one of the police orders, like their like charity things made like a memorial garden on the property for the family. So that's what's there now. That's sweet. So there may be some energy, but hopefully it's a little more positive and not quite as heavy. I mean, somebody burned that shit down. Oh, for sure. And I I mean, probably Rose. I mean, that was my thought too, but I wasn't going to say it. Get it girl. Light that bitch up. I know. And even if it was like a therapy, Yes, even if it was like, you know, um, someone directly involved in the case, allegedly, who probably it wasn't, but it could have been, but maybe, but probably not, though, because we have literally no evidence of that or just, you know, it's just whatever. I mean, what do you do? Do you even, I mean, as a police officer, fire investigator or whatever, I mean, like, fuck this place. Like, right. Hell no, you don't. I wouldn't like look into this or prosecute or anything. Be no. Like, fuck this place. You say, add a girl. Like, man, you just saved yourself 10 grand in fucking therapy. (laughs) Right. 
Oh my god. I mean, but still get help. Like, don't that doesn't negate everything I just fucking said. Still get help, but you yes. know that shit was fucking therapeutic. If it was her, it wasn't. It fucking wasn't. We literally have no like. No, that's a lifetime movie. Yes, that is literally a lot. I mean, like. Yes, it was not. But it could have been. If it was, I yeah. mean, good for you, girl. I mean, don't burn things down, but good for you, girl. Also, was it still in your family's name, and did you get insurance? No, it wasn't. Or, uh, well, that was the thing. There was some stuff like the, I think the um, bank had to like take it over, and so no, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Because she had gone, in, they had gone into the foster system and, yeah. and all of that. So no, that's the thing is that it wasn't, and nobody wanted to live there, and it, it was a huge fucking house too. Like it was, it was this, I don't know, anyway. There's also this thing, there's a podcast called Sirens Podcast. They actually did a two-parter on this that was really good. And at the very end of the second part of it, they did a comparison of this to the Amityville murders. Mm. Because I guess it's kind of similar, but how close the houses look to one another. And I mean, obviously it's a familicide and... That's yeah. such a hard word to say, by the way. It is. Familiacide. Mm-hmm. Familiacide. Anyway, like even some of the ages of the kids were the same. Anyway, it was pretty cool, like how they did the comparison, but the house, about how much the houses look alike. And anyway, they did a good job. And then Obscura had a good episode on it, too. Wow. So that's a fucking heavy episode. Yeah. I need sweets to decompress. Sweets for my sweet? No? Okay. I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Creep it real. Hey, that's my words. <laughs> no, it's not. I say and remember. <laughs> How does this ending work? <laughs> well, really and truly, thank y'all for sticking through this heavy fucking episode. Um, maybe we'll try to lighten it up next week. Probably not. Murder's hard. Ghosts are weird. I was gonna say, so it's death. Sometimes yours aren't heavy, but sometimes they're fucking heavy. Yeah. But as always, thank y'all so much for listening and all of your support. But more importantly, remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.